HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, Heritage Radio Network podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by PASA Sustainable Agriculture. Register now for PASA's 2023 conference in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, featuring more than 90 sessions on farming and food systems, as well as mixers and meetups and a trade show. Learn more at pasafarming.org slash conference. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Shana Clark. We'll talk to Shana about 150 vineyards you need to visit before you die and more. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Shana Clark is a freelance writer based out of New York City, specializing in wine, sake, and travel. She has a WSET Level 3 certification and is a certified sake sommelier. Her writing has appeared in Fortune, Wine Enthusiast, Departures, and Savoir, to name a few. She is also a wine marketing consultant for major wine companies at times. Shana Clark just released her new book, 150 Vineyards You Need to Visit Before You Die. Welcome to the Great Nation, Shana. Thank you so much for having me. Um, was that intro accurate? Did I? Pretty much accurate. Are you not, still consulting? I'm, I I do a lot of content work now, I call it. So not really doing right, marketing work, but content. You're going to drive me crazy with that? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so the people who know you obviously know you. A lot of people don't. Let's assume a lot of our listeners don't know you. So what I want to do is give everyone a little context. And I always ask people, give us a little background on your journey in life and wine that got you to the book. Sure. And like I said off air, start at the point where the wine thing really started happening. And from that point on, maybe right, not right then and there, but soon after wine started consuming you. Um, so where do we start? 
I actually have a really very distinct starting point for you. It was probably back in, I would say, the mid-aughts. My mom had come into New York to visit. And we went from to dinner. Massachusetts. Uh, she was down in Florida from by Florida. this point. That you makes know, they, sense. You know, <laughs> okay, right. That's what they do. You know? No explanation. <laughs> so we went to Lord Fish Bar in Soho for dinner one night. And we got a bottle of wine. And, you know, I've obviously had wine before. But for some reason, there was just something about that meal, that bottle of wine, that just something clicked. And I don't have any other better way to explain it. So much so that the next day we went back during the day, and I wanted to swing by the restaurant so I could write down the name of the wine because I was just that interested in what what I had to drink. So that's really, I think, the very first starting point of when wine really kind of came on the radar for me. So I have a few questions here, sure. and usually I don't interrupt. So Laura's a great place, mm-hmm. sushi, seafood-centric. Yep. Um, they're not, not known for their wine lists, but, you know, it's not the wine destination, but it's a well-thought-out place, probably a lot of white. Do you remember what or how you ordered? Did you say, I, I want to spend 40 bucks or give me something crispy? Do you I, know I, what you ordered? I honestly don't even know what we ordered. I I mean, I remember the wine exactly. It was Clelia Romano Fiano Diavolino. Okay, so I it was an that Italian, white. Italian, white. Okay. I think we, we probably just said we want white wine. We want a certain price point. My guess is that's probably how the conversation. And your went. wine knowledge at that point was zero. Okay. Like cranberry vodka level. Like, <laughs> okay. like nothing. All right. So, stay with me on this for a second. So, what happened? What you? What were you feeling? I mean, there was a nuance and something interesting about this wine that you didn't experience from other wines. It was. It was an energy which I know is a good very word. ambivalent kind of way to put it, but like no, it, just, it just had an energy to it. Like it, it was just like nothing else that I'd ever really experienced with wine before. And I think that it just probably paired really well with what we ate. And it just, it just was a moment. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you said you went back the next day, ordered the same bottle? Or no, I just, we actually just went to write oh, down the name down. of the wine. Like we kind of remember like a certain part of the name, but I didn't remember right. the full name. So right. we went back to just write it down on a business card. So you could think the grape is the winemaker if you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Thing. All right. So continue. So from there, I started taking some recreational classes at ICE. Um, How you, quickly after? Um, I would say probably a few months after. Oh, pretty quick. Yeah, pretty quick. So that definitely set you off. It definitely did. To look for classes. Mm-hmm. I was I mean, I thought it was, you know, it'd be fun. It'd be a little wine one oh one, just learn something about what is this beverage. You know, you're you're becoming an adult, you're always looking for some your palate changes. What were you doing? Were you doing something for a living then? I was. I was working in fashion. I was doing okay. uh event marketing for a woman's clothing company. Okay. Um, we'll talk about that for a second. Because you spent a decent amount of time in fashion at this company? Mm-hmm. I was there for about 10 years. Was it Eileen Fisher? It was. It was, right. I read that somewhere. All right, so while you're doing kind of a cool gig in fashion, mm-hmm. you're kind of going out to feed your thirst for yeah. wine. Go ahead. So continuing to take some recreational classes. I uh, took um, American Sommelier, and then I felt like I had enough knowledge underneath. And this is like, you know, I mean, it wasn't like a very concentrated amount of time, but it was, you know, here and there, like a flow throughout. And then I eventually felt like I had enough of a knowledge and I was really, I really wanted to learn more. So I took WSET level three back in 2011, 2012, which was intense. And I don't think I was prepared for it, but Wait, I- Wait, you didn't do one or two? Nope. You went right Dovin, to three. Dovin a three. Was that a mistake or you figured I think it was it great. Out? I think okay. it was fantastic. I was going to pull my hair out by the end of it, but it was a great learning experience. And back then it was also 
they still incorporated spirits at that point, which I know now they've really divided things out. And I wish that I had that kind of curriculum back then. But, you know, just to be able to taste with all these people, to be around other people that were so like-minded about learning about wine and people who wanted to talk about this in a really in-depth way. I just didn't have that community up until that point. When you took the WSET, weren't you starting to get exposed to that community? People in the class or wanting to taste and all that? Yep. Did you, it's a test, did you pass? I passed. Okay, all right, that was what year? That was 2012. Okay, so keep going. So, and by this point, I knew that, I was starting to get the idea that I was getting ready to want to move out of fashion. I mean, I was doing things where we had some big anniversary celebration for the company and all the stores, because I was working with the retail stores. All the retail stores were going to be some kind of celebratory event. I actually worked with a company out in California. I think it was probably bulk wine, whatever, but they would do private label wines. So I did this whole thing where I got all the stores, these private Eileen Fisher label wines for the ones that could serve wine. I would, you know, every, cool every, idea. every quarter, whenever they would have an event, there would be a catering manual and an event manual that I'd put together for them. And slowly the wine and the food part was getting a lot more attention than some of the other stuff. Did you up the game? I don't know if I or upped the game. No one just else made it more prominent. I think it just, I gave them more ideas yeah, or yeah, I yeah. think that I was more, in, you know, I was more thoughtful with that section of the event manual than probably some of the others. But I could see where this was going. It was starting to, it was in the back of my mind. I was starting to think, you know, I don't know if fashion is really my destiny. So that transition was, you did fashion, Mm-hmm. enough of it let me try was it the old I have a career comfortable thing and I'm leaving that it was they were restructuring the company so good time to- it was a good time to get out so it made the transition really easy so I started off thinking not really quite sure where in the wine industry I fit I had actually done a little bit of interviewing with some hospitality groups but it was still kind of just more marketing events not really wine centric it was more wine adjacent positions Um, but then I had the opportunity to kind of, you know, when I left, I said, well, where do I want to go? Where do I fit in? So I started, I did start with the market marketing with, so, so, mm -hmm. so where do I fit in? But deep down, is there something you wanted to do? I mean, did you want to be a SOM in a restaurant or work at a, were you that clear at that point or you didn't know? I wasn't that clear. I didn't think I wanted to be on the floor. I felt that was a skill set that I just didn't have. So I knew that that probably wasn't for me, but I knew that I, I liked to write. I liked marketing. I liked all of those kinds of things. So I felt anything in that realm was going to be a much better fit for me. I just didn't know exactly what that looked like. So I first started, I found um, it was Brooklyn Enology, which no longer exists, but it's a, a, Brook, a winery that was over in uh, Williamsburg. Winery? And, yep. Well, she, she used a custom crush facility out on Long Island, but she had a okay. tasting room over. So she was a wine. Over, yeah. yeah. And I had seen her at some wine event before, and I thought that it was a really interesting story. Ran into them again, and at that point I was looking for something. And they said, hey, you know, why don't you come in for an interview? Maybe there's a fit. So they actually became my very first client, and I was helping out doing some marketing for them, helping out with the tasting room. And then at that point I'd also started dating my now husband, and he's in the wine industry as well. So 
there was one day I started getting a flurry of texts from him and he's like, so-and-so can meet with you. So-and-so can meet with you. And it was just- Needed help with what you could do. Just, you just could. Informa informational interviews, just meet these, meet these women, meet these people in the industry. I think that, you know, they might be able to give you some direction. And it was just, you know, nice to have coffee with all of these people, just talk to them about what they were doing, what could potentially happen. And it just kind of kept going from there. Pretty cool. Yeah. Kudos to your husband. Yeah. Not then, but now. Um, <laughs> so when is that about? So it was probably about 2014-ish, 2015-ish. So what do you do for the next eight, nine years? A lot of that? Quite a bit of that. I also really started writing, um, freelance writing. And I, I started a blog when I was still in fashion, and I didn't show it to anybody but I had a wine blog and it taught me discipline. That was the most Wait, important thing. Wait, the fashion thing. blog you did, but never really put it out there? It, it was a wine blog. While, a wine blog. It was a wine oh, blog, it was a wine while, blog while, while you were in fashion. While okay. I was still in fashion. Did you put it out there? I showed my mom. I, so you knew the mechanics more than getting it exposed or whatever. I was embarrassed. I think I was, I was very shy and back, I was very embarrassed. But I when you look back, were you right or it wasn't so bad? I actually haven't looked back in so long. I it don't even know. It would be fun to look at it. It would be. Um, all right. So I asked you the next eight, nine years. Mm -hmm. So what else were you doing? You were doing a lot of that. So I was doing a lot of that. You started writing. Mm -hmm. um, is that as simple as you start going out and contacting people and saying, here's some of my work, or do you need somebody to write? How did you get that going? Um, I just, I started pitching editors. I started creating lists of publications that I wanted to write for, pitching them story ideas, just kept going with that. Without really a body of work or stuff to show them or a little? It's funny. Because it, it's good and bad news. The good yeah. news is anyone could do it. It is. The bad news is if you need more, then you have to have some materials to. You need to know how to position yourself. And I took a how to pitch class. And, <laughs> and, what they and one thing that they teach you is you really need to show your experience. And so I figured out how to, and like, it's like any good salesperson, you have to sell yourself and you have to figure out how to make yourself sound really appealing. So I could say, I did level three SET. I had a blog. Uh, you know, so things like that, where it shows that you have discipline, that you have a little bit of experience, you have some knowledge. And if you can create a really tight pitch, people are going to be interested in that. That's interesting. I mean, really, I mean, you had enough stuff to pitch. It's a matter of organizing it, embellishing and, you know, actually pitching. Mm -hmm. First writing gig, do you remember? It was, it was a, it was a wine organization site. It was a $50 per blog post thing that I did, but I, I became a little bit of a regular writer for them. And hey, at that point, if you're not getting paid anything ever for your writing and you're getting 50 bucks, you're like, this is great. Yeah. What about first recognizable publication gig? Who was it and when? It was Vine Pear. Okay. Um, I don't remember the date. About how many years ago? It was probably 2014-ish, 15-ish. Oh, Shows and you how long was, they've been around, right? And it was bagels and cream cheese pairings with wine. What pairs well with that? Do you remember anything? <laughs> is it is it with salmon or just cream cheese? Oh, it was, it was everything. It was, like, it was everything? So it, it all varied. It all varied. Yeah, because the salmon would do one thing. That, yep. Um, I think and, I probably did like salmon and Riesling or something like that. Good one. I assume you continued to write a few more things for them? Yep. Worked with them for a while and then just kept growing the roster of publications I worked with. Nice. Um, so obviously you did that 
four years, were mm-hmm. you doing other stuff, consulting and yep. content writing? All of that, yep. So I guess we're getting close to the point where we're going to talk about your book, not yet, but you get contacted? I do. So Tell me that story. I got contacted at the end of 2021. I got an email. During the pandemic. During the pandemic. Um, and I thought it was a spam email at first. <laughs> I, I read this thing five times. You don't have enough confidence in yourself. Well, because I was reading through, I'm like, there's, no, this sounds ridiculous. Because they, it was a very detailed email, but then they also said that they wanted writing samples. And I and I don't write for free. I don't think anybody should ever write for free. So Including I thought- Including a sample? Nope, shouldn't write for free. Really? Good for you. You're like uh, the apple of wine writing. Well, I can, I can tell you I can tell you how I worked around this, what I proposed to them. But, okay. you know, you see something you in there like... you think it was a, a form letter or it was... I think it was probably... They, I'd wonder if they'd sent it to like maybe two or three or it was okay. just kind of the background. But it seemed pretty detailed and okay. pretty personal. So they said, you know, we want some writing samples, blah, blah. Can we have a meeting? So... And after reading it like several times, I'm like, no, this actually does sound probably pretty legit. A meeting request in the initial letter? Yeah. Okay. It's like, if this sounds interesting, like we'd love to chat with you. So we did a Zoom with them. Um, and they were they were legit. They were lovely. Um, and we had long conversations about what they were looking for. And obviously I had my thoughts about the book. I can tell you that I know it's called 150 Vineyards, but we did have quite a long discussion about is vineyards actually the right word for what this book is supposed to be? Because to me, if you say vineyards, you're going to end up with a lot of stories about dirt. And I just didn't want it to be, you know, I just didn't want it to be, here's the soil. You're right, and but here's it's the... pretty broad. It can be broad. So then we played around with, they didn't like the idea of winery. Estate wasn't really quite a good fit either. Like we couldn't quite figure it out. We went back and forth. And finally, I said, you know, we really like vineyards. We think it's a very romantic term, and which I do agree with. And they said, you know, as you write this, I think you're going to see that it doesn't, it's not going to really be about dirt. Like we want to have a travel element to it. We wanted to have a little bit of this other kind of element. So we want to be inspirational. So vineyards in the end felt I, like the right I thing. didn't think anything other than what you're describing. I would think vineyards would talk about place, wine, the people behind them, you know, where they are, the region, you know, so it wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I I mean, I think that worked. It's a good thing that you uh, stayed with that. But like I said, I want to talk about a few other things and then we'll get into the book. Sure. So now that the book is done, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? What are you working on? Are you, do you have pieces going into publications? Are you pitching business? Both. Um, I'm, I'm working on a few articles. I've been pitching editors quite a bit more now um, because I worked on this book for a good chunk of 2022 and by the end my brain was kind of fried so I just didn't have it totally in me to do as much pitching as I wanted to but I kind of feel like now I have clear air so get my ideas together and pitching a lot more. I'm looking for more content clients again, trying to get more content work back in gear. So all of that. What Do you have wish lists? Like do you, I would think you do. I'm curious what the answer is. I want to write about this. I'm curious about that. I want to go visit here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything involves time, money, if you can get compensated. But what's on your radar or what's on your wish list? In terms, um, do you want to pick one and we can drill down from there? Because um, there's a lot. I mean, there's so many places I'd love to see. There's so many publications I'd love to write for. There's so many things Let's I'd love to... Let's do places. Okay. Places... 
Um, I would love to see Greece. I've never seen Santorini or Greece or anything. Greece for the wine, Greece not for just the wine. for a yeah. chill vacation. Right. You want, okay. Yeah, and these are all like wine because a lot of my travel always kind of goes around with wine. I, I, you know, I'm not one of those that's go lay on a beach somewhere. It doesn't appeal to me really. I want right. to go somewhere and, and see certain stuff. things. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I've been hearing a lot of really interesting things about Chile and like the Chilean, some of the smaller produ producers that are happening down there. And I really am very curious about Huge that. natural wine scene, small producers bringing indigenous grapes back. Mm -hmm. That's a good call. Give me one more. Canary Islands. Which is established, but there's some great some stuff. Some interesting there. things. Yeah. Um, there's some good people making good wines. Now, what about, I don't know if this was a question I initially meant to ask, but you sort of led me to it. Is there anyone you want to write for? It's like, I got to get, you know, I can't do anything to get here. What, what is that? <laughs> um, I, I like Bon Appetit's voice. I think that they do some really interesting stories. And I think that if I could find the right thing, that would be a great place. I think the New York Times is always one that, I mean, I, I mean, Eric I mean, Eric's, Eric's, you know, he's, he was on he's last right, week, right? I mean, but he's so wine is gonna be quite tough to get into because I mean that's I his feet. So you know, they push stuff off of him to other things. Okay. Um, the thing about Bon Appetit and food and wine is they just don't cover a lot of wine. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they'll do an issue where they devote time, but there's just not a lot of. It's food, food, food food and a little wine. Mm -hmm. It's Bon Appetit again, 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 and here's some wine. Um, so, I mean, that it fares well they do it, but I'm saying they don't do enough. Um, well, hopefully that'll happen. Um, all right, so before we get into the book and before we take a break, um, I want to segue by asking you, um, I always believed, and from this show, that wine became more than a liquid in a glass. Mm -hmm. You know, I was saying off air that when I started the show, who's the most famous guy I can get or, you know, whatever. It, it, it kind of morphed into the story and, you know, wine beyond the liquid in the glass. Um, you said, as you were writing the book, you said the wine world is so much more than just well-known names and sites. Mm -hmm. which plays into what I'm saying. I mean, it's just not the big thing. There's, it could be a generational thing, you know, like in Germany, growing grapes on the hillside, which is, you know, story in its own. Um, and you said wine is produced in all kinds of surprising places. So I'm guessing, and I want you to expand on this, for you, it was about the story too. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked a little that it's beyond the vineyard and even titling the book. It's really the story. Right. You know, so did you fall into that or that's the direction it went? Tell me a little about your process. Uh, and it's, I mean, the entries in the book are fairly short. And it's one of those, what we, you know, the, the iceberg analogy that everybody uses because it's like this itty bitty little like nothing. And there's all this underneath each entry. And so what do you actually focus on? Like what, what's the most interesting part of it? And it's not even the most interesting part, but what's the one little thing that you're going to pull out for this? And that was, well, I think one of the biggest frustrations with the book is because each entry, there is so much to each one. So how do you identify and why decide to pick this thing to focus on? Because any of those entries could have gone 10 different ways. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about how the book is set up and people are understand why. Um, 
right, we're going to take a quick break. I'm talking to Shana Clark. Shana just wrote a book called 150 Vineyards You Need to Visit Before You Die. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about that and everything that went into doing that. Um, you're listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. Cultivate farms and food systems that nourish, heal, and empower. Register now for PASA Sustainable Agriculture's 2023 conference. Access more than 90 sessions on topics including environmental conservation, food justice, sustainable food and textile production, renewable energy, and much more. Featuring a not-to-be-missed lineup of speakers, including Indigenous environmental scientists and author of Fresh Banana Leaves, Jessica Hernandez, the best-selling author of The Art of Fermentation, Sandra Katz, co-owners of Heritage Seed Company, True Love Seeds, Owen Taylor and Chris Bolden Newsom, and many more. PASA's conference takes place in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on February 8th through 11th and includes social networking events plus an expansive trade show. Register now at pasafarming.org slash conference. That's P-A-S-A farming.org slash conference. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, Shana, Shana Clark. Shana is fresh off writing. Is this your first book? My first full book, I contributed a chapter to um, the Wine Lover's Bucket List previously. I did the North America section, but this okay. is my first full book. Good way to answer the question. Um, first full book. Um, all right, so let's talk about the book, 150 Vineyards You Need to Visit Before You Die. Mm -hmm. um, I think we talked a little about when and how the book came about. Um, they reached out to you. They reached out to me. I think off air we talked a little about that. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little more about that. Yeah, so as I think I was mentioning earlier, I got this email, and I just didn't believe that it was legit. Um, like I said, because they were asking for free writing samples, which whatever. But the more I read it, the more I realized that this is an actual, this is an actual offer. You know, I was Googling them, looking their work. Right. I mean, that's the obvious, the like, obvious thing to the, do. The publishers, Lanou, L-A-N-N-O-O. -O. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you do a little research. They're legit. Yep. And so I thought, you know what, this, this could be a really interesting project. So we had a Zoom call to talk it over. Was it you and one other person or a few other people? It was two people. It was my, who was, became my direct editor and uh, the publisher as well. Okay. And, you know, we had, and they, they were lovely. They were just so, like, great to chat with. I could tell that we would have a really good working relationship if we forged, because I think that that's really important. You know, I, we wanted to talk to each other about the vision of how this would go, because this was their first foray into anything that was wine. And so it came out of it, and I thought, you know what, this is, this could definitely be a great project. So I submitted, I'd, what I offered to them when they said free writing samples is I actually said, well, why don't well, we do it this way? <laughs> say why that it was an issue because you're not submitting material for free. You right. Told me. I'm not, I mean. Even on a pitch thing, which, you know, I was a little surprised. So what did you do? So what I did is I said, I will write you these three entries um, and for this fee, and if you guys like this, and if we proceed, you can apply that fee towards, you know, my, my fee with the book. 
or, you know, and so that was what I proposed. We ended up finding like a different, I ended up sending them some like older writing samples of things that I had done. Cause they, like, that's just how it ended up going. Why? Cause they pushed back. Like we're they not were, paying you to do. Uh... Well, they were, they, I think that they were just being mindful of budget. And so I think that this, this was an alternative solution. I think that met a middle ground, you know, if I just sent them some previous samples, I think they had in their mind that they knew that I was going to be the person for this. And especially after the call. So right. it seemed that it was going to be, it. yeah, exactly. So you send them the sample pretty quickly. They get back pretty quickly. They yep. go, this is what we want to do. Mm -hmm. um, did the letter have enough detail ex explanation of what the book was and what you wanted to do? Or I yeah, mean, it was it, pretty clear? It was pretty clear what they were asking. Okay. Um, and then it became, you know, kind of, but also once we, then we had the post conversations, then it became... There were a few other things that they wanted, you know, like we want to make sure that this does have this inspirational, aspirational element to it. We want, we want to have a little bit of a travel feel to it, you know, so it's, so again, to kind of keep it feeling a little bit diverse. So then we kind of just went a little bit more into the nuts and bolts and more of the feeling too about how we wanted this book to look at the end. Was there anything they wanted that conflicted with what you wanted to do or you guys were all on the same page? We, it didn't conflict, but they had a very interesting request for me. Uh -oh. Because of where they're based, they asked if I could find vineyards in Belgium and the Netherlands to include, which kind of, I was like... Self-serving in a good way. It's self-serving. I mean, let's clarify that they're a publisher based in Belgium, so... Right, exactly. You know, not but, going through all the trouble, you might as well. But, but what... Would you come up with Heineken? No, I, I <laughs> the thing is, and that's, and that's where a lot of things change for me, because... You know, I really had never, I, I had a feeling there were wine, like, like a few wineries out there, but it's not over here, at least, we don't hear that much about no. a wine culture over there. No. So it got me thinking differently about what I was wanted to select, because if we're doing things that are in places that are going to surprise people, I think that that's a really interesting way to take the book. Like why it shouldn't be just these grand everyone knows who they are it that, shouldn't be you know that I want, i'll talk to you a little more about that yeah. so that that request to help promote you know their homeland enlightened you to a really legitimate direction yeah. which is pretty cool um when they contacted you what was that in 2021 mm -hmm, 2021 when middle end of the year towards the end of the year okay um and the letters and the submission of the work and the zoom meeting Right after mm -hmm. you're on it, yeah. you literally start. It started pretty quickly, and then we had a little bit of back and forth just with the contract. Um, so that took a little, like a couple, six weeks or so. Okay, I sound tough. Um, <laughs> so now you're at the desk with your pencil or your computer. Mm -hmm. um, wired or wire? Don't tell me the details. How long did it take to pretty much? put the book together oh god well i had um they initially wanted april deadline which i just thought was absolutely impossible so i said may 31st is the deadline to get april you're talking end of the year and no, they... no, no, no no they they so they met they we officially i guess i you could say officially got started contract done whatever january and i had to get the manuscript in may 31st and they initially Eesh. asked for april i couldn't see that actually happening so we were able to do may Wow, that's it's it was crazy. intense. So I didn't, you know, I I pretty much read everything, you know, pondered over the uh, front, the index, and everything. Um, 
it is 150 vineyards. Are there less or more? 150, it, exactly. It clocks in at 150. All right. So let's start <laughs> with getting the elephant in the room out of the way. Okay. All right. The obvious question is, did you visit these 150 vineyards? No, I did not. Okay. So let's drill down a little. <laughs> did you visit any? Yes. There's did you visit places because of the book? No, I did not visit places because of the book. I pulled a lot of inspiration um, from previous experiences. Okay, give me an example. For the book. So you could be specific. Um, I mean, quite a number of the California ones I'd visited. I knew that they were really, there's something really beautiful and special going on over there. Um, but then you're going to have ones like I included somewhere from Thailand. Like I didn't get a chance to go to Thailand. I hope one day to visit them out there. But, but you know, that's there's certain the Belgian ones that thing. Are... Like, let me look at places that you wouldn't. Exactly. You know. Okay. Exactly. Um, one of the things I noticed, and tell me if this um, was sort of a theme or an interest. To me, it looked like a lot of the vineyards were not necessarily these large mega vineyards. You know, I really looked to find names. You know, I'm looking in California and is like Phelps or Camus going to pop up. None of that really anywhere. Um, they seem like mostly they're family vineyards and there seems like there's a story. So is mm -hmm. that accurate? And was that a criteria? Like I'm more interested in these places? It wasn't a criteria, but it it's I think it speaks to a lot of where my interests are is I didn't I wanted to get a lot of these voices in or at least attempt to get some voices in that I think may not normally get a format like this because I think with a lot of other places you're doing these lists of the best the best the best and these and a lot, some of these family run places are not going to make that cut right that's that's reality I mean there's there's enough other places as far as all of that was there a process I mean did you really check down things I mean that was one of them but mm -hmm. you know how did you because you didn't visit which I didn't think you would or could um what was the process I mean what do you oh did God, you I have can't. like um uh, post-its on your wall, you know, what, how'd you go about this? Um, spreadsheets, spreadsheets are my best friend. Okay. Um, it was, it was a long, it was a long process. It was, it was challenging. I would wake up in the middle of the night with an idea and jot it down into my phone and then add it in. One of the criteria that they, that the publishers needed is they needed good photography. So if, so I actually had reached out to more than 150. I was probably reached out closer to like, 200 ish wineries because there were some that they just didn't have the, they just didn't have the photography. They just didn't have what the publisher was going to need for inclusion. Some of them also just flat out said they just weren't interested in being included. And that's totally valid too. But when, when you know that you need good photography, that does kind of change some of the selections as well. So most of the, I mean, the book is very photographic. It's beautiful in that sense. Most of the photographs were provided by the vineyards? Most were. A couple were from my very good friend, Kevin Day, who's a very talented photographer. So he had it, some, he had some stuff that, from traveling. Yeah. Um, were you happy or frustrated? Were they able to send you, you know, 
good photography? Most places have good photography. There were there was very few that did not actually. I right. think in this day and age, everybody has For photography stuff. Their website, you know, yeah, even you know whatever else. Yeah. Um. So you spoke, or you considered over 150 you said no yeah was that for the obvious reasons there's a percentage that's gonna say no i gotta it was um yeah it was and some of it was on a rolling basis where i realized because we also were trying to find a good balance to make sure that the book felt quite global because it is very easy to go very heavy into certain regions than others we're gonna talk about that most of the vineyards i would say what or i'm asking you what mm -hmm. percentage there seems like an aspect to me of thoughtful farming, thoughtful winemaking. Um, it doesn't get labeled as natural wine or whatever, but there's an eye towards sustainability, a love of the land, you know, not making these doctored wines. Is that correct? I mean, when you look at the 150 vineyards, a big chunk of them, that type of winery? I think, I think so. And I did try to call that out. I, I mean, I couldn't make a whole book of why they're important is because they farm sustainably. But Right. And but, we're going to talk about the format. Because yeah. the format is, you know, and I wanted to set it up to talk sure, about that. Sure. But that's, that's basically who you wanted to cover, who you were attracted to? It is. I feel it, there's, it's really important. And I think that, I wanted, again, this was an opportunity to highlight that, even if it isn't kind of in a quieter way, but I think that I wanted that through line in the book. I wanted those I, kinds of wineries there. I was hoping you'd say that. Yes. Because it was obvious to me and a thought was put towards that. You know, you succeeded in I'm, that sense. I'm glad you saw that. Yeah. Because um, a lot of, and, you know, as I said earlier, family or smaller wineries, that's kind of, you know, what they care about or whatever. Tell me this. So you and I bump into each other in an elevator. Mm -hmm. And I say, what are you doing? You say, I just wrote a book. Well, what's it called? 150 Vineyards, you know, you need to visit before you die. And I look at you and we talk a little. And then I ask you the elevator pitch question. Who are you or what qualifies you to be the person that selects these vineyards and how do I know you know that you know it it's not influenced by something or whatever what do you say to that now I you gave me a little that you know a lot of it is thoughtful sustainable you know so that was but tell me what qualifies you to do that we've also talked about your body of work mm -hmm. tell me a little more um I would say because I'm curious, because I'm always exploring, because I think that there's important messages that need to be told that may not get the opportunity to be told. I would think that, I would like to think that I'm a good writer, that I can hopefully convey these stories. Well, I'm not challenging <laughs> that, because you were selected by a publisher and you have a body of work. But now yeah. you're the guy at the table selecting this. Um, so let's, let's drill down a little. So, uh, I noticed that you talked to a lot of smaller entities and a lot of them were thoughtful producers. Um, you mentioned curiosity. I think curiosity makes it a global thing. So you went all over the place. Mm -hmm. It's like, let me look in Thailand. Um, 
So you expanded this more because you and I know that you could probably fill two thirds of the book with the Loire or something, right? You know, but that that's not a, what it's all about. Um, do you think you hit that challenge? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think, but yeah, but 150 is such a small amount, and so they're. You know, I look back. It's a and I lot, think, and it's not a lot. Exactly. I mean, you got to get 150, and then you realize, you know, how much more. I mean, like we said, the Loire probably you could do half of that. Um, it's interesting. You know, that's part of the challenge and the fun with you. All right. So in the book, I think you cover six continents. Yes. There's no one not in no the Antarctica, right? <laughs> you cover six continents. I casually counted 30 countries. <laughs> and we know, like, take Italy or France or even the U.S., there's multiple, multiple regions. Yeah. Um, so you covered that. Um, so we talked about global. Global was one of your goals. Mm -hmm. Your curiosity, you know, set you out. So... Were there any places that you either stumbled on or you were determined to represent? Um, I was, hmm, it's a good question. I was determined to represent, I really want to make sure that Japan was represented. Um, it's becoming a hot wine it's, market. It's a really interesting place. I was there back in 2019. I've, I've been there twice and in 2019 was really wine focused. And it's just really interesting what's happening there. And I think that I, I wanted that shown. I think what's happening in Scandinavia is interesting as well. I, for better or for worse, I think that's just showing the effects of climate change. Right. And you so know, England's making sparkling wine yep. for climate change reasons. Mm -hmm. um, you don't really get into any dissertation about climate change. No. But like you just said, it affects. Like Scandinavia may not have been a topic ten years ago. Right. Or whatever. You wouldn't even mention English sparkling wine. Exactly. But that. that changed everything um so you were able to cover was there anything you think you left out i think after well, you closed the book i mean it's I mean, easy. yes and no because then you think about well you know in italy i mean it was definitely you know there was there was tuscany there was piedmont there was all those but there's but you look at something like italy where there's wine made all over and there's so many different regions that you're just not even touching in, within one country so then you feel well did i just shine too much of a light on the regions that everybody already knows should i have maybe changed up the balance but but again it's then it's that push pull of well people know tuscany so you want to make sure that you do have tuscan producers in there and if you're talking tuscany then we're also talking we're we doing you know montalcino we're we doing bulgari you know so it, and it just gets Chianti, like, yeah, yeah, the whole thing Tuscans yeah all, yeah um that's that's a tough challenge. Yeah. Um, and that's a good example because it's a highly popular region. Um, they're making a lot of different wines. Um, and you could spend a good amount on it. But, you know, who wants to do that? Um, the book has, and now we can get into, mm -hmm. the book has a format in a sense. When, And I'll set it up and then you'll drill it down a little there's basically one page for each winery. I mean, it's a thick book. So there's 150 vineyards. It's wrapped with photos. Some, the photos on the one page. Some, there's a couple of pages of photos. But when you get to the page, and it's broken down by continent, country, and all that. Explain to me 
the things you discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same, I'm correct, on each page? Yeah. So what is it and how did you come to that? Because, again, there's probably a lot of other things, right? Right. So I get to pick something. Pick a, pick a, a vineyard and let's talk about the page. Okay. I think it was... I, here's an example of one that's not... That's, Let's do Vic Winery. Let's do that. Okay, one. where is that? Uh, that one, South America. And I'm sorry for okay. blanking all of a sudden. But um, so with that one, that one was meant to be. That one I think is a good example of one of the ones that was meant to be more of a tourism experience because they have a, you know, supposed to have a really beautiful estate, and you know they do. There's there's cooking. There's a place to stay, and it's not even so much about the vineyard itself, but it's about this holistic experience when you get there. That's what they even call it, Vic Holistic Winery. So that's just one example. So to me, that's, you know, that's going to kind of take the center stage for that. It's really about the experience, that that travel kind of experience that you're going to be getting when you're there. So you have to figure out the angle for each, for each vineyard. One. And for that one, it was more about the whole experience than, um, but then there are things like you ask a question um, I forgot. I mean, what what's that little notation in the left corner? What do you... Oh, the reason to visit? Reason right, to visit. Right, right, right. Right, Every winery has a reason to visit. Correct, correct. Um, and every reason varies. Exactly. It's not always about the wine, you know, try their Cabernet. No. Um, so you have the description, the reason to visit, photos. What else is... There's the, the general listings of it. There is the website address for anyone right. who wants to visit. Right, Um but there were some actually that like Bechtold Vineyard. Um, Where's you, that? That's in uh, Lodi. So that um, it's one of the oldest Sinso vineyards, possibly the world, definitely in America. But there's no actual address for it. So we kind of had to do this intersection of the street and this street. Oh, really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Where'd you say Lodi? I think it's Lodi. Yeah, Lodi has a lot of um, um, old, old vines, Sandlands. All those guys mm-hmm. are growing, you know head-trained old, you know, vines. It's pretty cool. People don't know enough about it. Um, is it obvious which country has the most entries? No, I... I counted. I know the answer. I actually don't know the answer. It's France. Is it? Yeah. 30-plus. Um, and then I think Italy was next, and then the U.S., which plays to that they're there, right? What's curious is you don't even know. Yeah. Um, why? Because it doesn't seem like. Yeah, I think I think cause there was also just going through the process and editing and taking this one in and you know moving this one here, giving more focus to this, and so I think that I kind of yeah I just kind of lost track after a while. That's interesting. Um, which regions and vineyards, after doing this, and I think when you said Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, are not getting the uh, attention they should be getting to this day. I th- I, you, you mentioned two things, and I want you, you know, I'll set you up. I mm-hmm. think Chile, there's a whole movement down there. Um, and I think Japan, you're going to see, you know, Alice Firing was in here not that long ago. And I said, where do you want to go? And she said, Japan, is, it's crazy what's going on there. Mm-hmm. So there's something going on. Um, anything that plays into that, you know, vein, other other ones that don't get enough attention yeah um i mean in the context of the book mm -hmm. you know it's like i wrote about this because they didn't get attention or i didn't get a chance because i didn't have room i mean what comes to mind uh 
you know, I probably have to look at the book to see what I, where I weighed, but I know that, you know, I think I could have done a lot more with Australia because Australia is huge. And I think that, you know, it, I wasn't able to cover as much of Australia as I would have liked to have covered. Yeah. Cause there's tons of regions and mm -hmm. within like Victoria or whatever has tons of wineries. That's a good example Yeah, because it's very well known. Um, I also think you may have been swayed by the fact that, you know, maybe it's not as popular or in vogue as other regions, even though they make terrific wines. Mm -hmm. I mean, what I just said is silly, but, um, all right. So I have kids. I don't know if you do. You'll tell me in a second, but this is the quintessential. If you had to pick your favorite, favorite kid question, <laughs> I have three boys. Can't answer that. But if I had to, I don't know, a gun to my head. <laughs> After doing this book, uh -huh. you have to walk away um, with a thinking about, God, this is cool or this is memorable or, uh, you know, I love this because of doing the book. Anything come up? If you had to pick... The real question is, the 150 vineyards, what's the one that, you know, resonates the most with you? You don't have to answer, but answer it any way you want. <laughs> don't have kids. that I can answer that one. That's okay. easy. <laughs> All right. So I'll now you have, I brought the challenge to the table anyway. Um, I don't know. I think that working on the book has piqued my interest in certain places um, to visit. Like, I, like I've already talked about, you know, Scandinavia, that's that change that's happening England same kind of thing that change that's happening but you know I would like to dig into Argentina more I don't think that I really have a great grasp on what's going on in Argentina I'd like to see what happens what's happening there I think but, but in that context when mm -hmm. people think of Argentina you know there's a lot of Malbec producers and mm -hmm. they're starting to do a lot of other stuff are you looking at the Argentina beyond Malbec or you're just happy to even get up to speed with that I'm I would like to go beyond. I would right. be very interested to see that. Okay. The other thing that the book did, though, is it, surprisingly, it did get me to think about classic regions a little bit more that I think that I've previously just kind of overlooked. And it's and this kind of feeds into a little bit about what I've been drinking a little bit more. But I didn't pay that much attention to Bordeaux prior, but I'm now really interested in what's going on in Bordeaux. I don't really drink... Napa cabs that much, but now I'm really kind of curious about going back to some of these things that I think I've previously thought, you know, they've had so much coverage or there's just, they're just so well established. What, what can I contribute to this conversation? But then I realized by doing that, I'm glossing over a good portion of my own personal knowledge. So now those are two areas that I think I'm starting to just explore more. But don't you think Napa and Bordeaux, which have been very established, you know, they're the big Cabernet makers in the world. Don't you think one of the reasons they have your interest is because they're doing different things? Like Napa is starting to make more restrained wines. They're starting to plant different grapes. Mm -hmm. Bordeaux, I mean, there were always a zillion vineyards there, but a lot of these small ones are interesting. Mm -hmm. I think Ponte Canet is biodynamic. I mean, there are stories maybe people never knew. I mean, isn't that, mm -hmm. that's the stuff that's interesting and worth reporting on, right? Right. But it's also just, I think, that base education level, you know, that just that basic knowledge that I think you kind of think, I know this, I don't need to worry too much about this. But, right. but at the same time, you know, it, it's worth looking into and it's worth really making sure that you have a really strong foundation and a strong knowledge. I mean, they are 
very well-known wines and wineries for a reason. So why right. is that? So earlier when I said, what type of stuff as a writer you want to work on? I mean, getting mm -hmm. deeper into Bordeaux or Napa is certainly something interesting to you. It's something interesting to me. Um, but to your point, exactly, because there is also, so you take that base knowledge and then you can talk about what's going on. Yeah, I mean, that's what's yeah. compelling and interesting right. to me. I think people are based on the base knowledge and some that's it. And others are like, wait, I'm hearing stuff, you know, tell me about it, which is pretty cool. Um, I think it was in the intro or whatever, you know, you talk about great vineyards. So in the end, mm -hmm. before we wrap up and do our wine list, what makes a great vineyard? What makes a great vineyard post writing this book? Hmm. You know, by writing the book, you came across certain tangible things that kept coming up. Mm -hmm. I, th I think what makes a great vineyard, I think the people behind it really make a great vineyard. The people who are being thoughtful about their farming, the people who are being really thoughtful about what they're planting, how they're taking this land and paying respect to it. I think that that's, and then the stories from these people, the family connections that they potentially have with this land. I think that it's really the people that makes a great vineyard. So we were talking, did we talk on air? I've been sitting here so long. Did we talk <laughs> on air or off air about the title of the book, Vineyards? Like oh. you were, that may have been off air. That you, you weren't sure if 150 vineyards was vineyard the right, you know, it could have been winery or a place mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think what you just said that vineyards in reality are people. Yeah. And that's, so that's definitely what makes a great vineyard, the people. Yeah. Um, and how they approach it. What else? Anything else can you think of? Were there any threads that weaved in and out of? Um, I think it was, I mean, you could just talk about general terroir, just where they are in place. But I think a great vineyard also signifies something about the region. You know, it's what it's it's telling a different story too, or it's kind of it's grounding a place. I mean, for better, I don't I don't know if that's really the right way to say well, it. Well, try to set it up in an example. What do you mean by that? So, uh, do your best. The, um, I think all right, maybe we'll talk about Ponte Cane because I think that that's okay. a really great example. So, <laughs> they're I mean, they are quintessential classic Bordeaux. So I think that, but I think that they, with their biodynamic practices, with the changes that they are trying to make, I think that they are telling a story about Bordeaux in two different ways. They're telling that classic Bordeaux story, but they're also telling about the future of Bordeaux. That's a good way to put it. I think Roterer is doing that. Cristal, mm -hmm. all their other champagnes, they're bio, biodynamic house. They're a house champagne. They're not huge, but they're not small. They're not a grower. So yeah, I think getting that story out there is important. Um, all right, so the book is 150 Vineyards to Visit Before You Die. Um, Shana will tell us at the end of the show the best places to get it. Um, quickly about the publisher. Uh, we talked about how they got to you. They're called Lanou, L-A-N-N-O-O. -O. Mm -hmm. uh, they do other books, 150 bars to visit mm -hmm. before you die. They pulled the golf cart in, <laughs> I saw. Not golf cart, golf card. You know, they did a book on um, golf. Um, why were they interested in wine? It was just time? I think it was just time, yeah. They thought it was... Uh, 
Yeah. Um, and like you said, they're based out of uh, the Netherlands, Belgium. Belgium. Or, okay. Um, and they make coffee table books. All that. Mm -hmm. This is not a coffee table book. No. Um, but it's a substantial book. Um, all right. So we'll tell people where to get the book in a minute. Let's do our wine list. I think you cheated and looked at everything. <laughs> and probably the spontaneity of this is the most fun. But the thing, the reason I do this is it's really fun to turn our listeners on to great suggestions from people from all walks of life. It's just as fun to hear what Eric Asimov has to say. And then you, after doing this book, you know, I'm mm -hmm. just curious, put a little more pressure on you. Um, all right. So first question is, what are you drinking now? What's in your fridge? What are you tasting? What's interesting to you? Do you change for the seasons? Sure. What's out there? Um, I think you probably get this from all guests, but I drink pretty broadly. So it's, it depends on what, what I'm in the mood for. I think salty whites are always kind of a go-to. Um, you like? Whites with that salinity. I love that salinity. What does that point to? Anywhere? Or is that like Muscadet or Italian coastal wine? I mean, what? A lot of volcanic ones. Okay. Volcanic wines. Um, do love Riesling. Always will love Riesling. Um, like I said recently, I've been kind of digging into things that I don't really understand, such as Cabernet, because why not? Um, always so good to learn. To this day, you have not drank a ton of Cabernet? Correct. Okay. That's interesting. So but we'll. Lighter reds, Italian. I mean, it's it's really just kind of what's what's. But let's let's uh, recap for a second. Salty whites, mm -hmm. Riesling, mm -hmm. exploring Cabernet. Mm -hmm. Those are all good answers. We'll post those. All right, this is the goofiest question on the list, but and Not I don't know why I leave it on. I've threatened myself to take it off this year, but it's the second <laughs> show and I haven't done crap. So, um, favorite wine and food pairing, not what you think is, but what you like. Mm -hmm. I don't pair. Um, it's two weeks in a row. That's what Asimov said. He says, I don't care about pairing, but I did get him to say every new year's he makes lasagna and Chianti Classico. So there's a pairing. That's a pairing. When like, as long as it's not going to be like Amarone with like cod, like, I mean, as long as they're not going to like cancel each other out, it's like, what am I in the mood to drink tonight? And what are, what am I hungry for? Or what is my husband cooking? Cause I don't cook. So it's, you know, it's just as long as we have things like just what are, what so are we hungry for? you care about pairing. You care about complimenting each complimenting, thing, but, but you're not into the pairing setup. Like you're not the Pinot Noir chicken roast chicken guy. I, th I think it doesn't gets matter. Pe it gets people too much into their own heads. Okay. And I think it, you know, it frightens people that I'm doing this wrong or, oh God, like how can I pair this with it? I think it's, I think it's a really intimidating thing for people to try to figure out. And I think that it's, you know, it, it, I, think I think it can be a barrier for people. I think we program people. This is what you eat with that. Yeah. And somebody said, you could drink red wine with salmon. Screw that. Um, so I think it's more playing to people and their curiosities, but I think more and more people are saying. But let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. So you said before you came on the show, you did a little research. You knew there was going to be the wine list. Yep. That's the answer you prepared? Yeah. No answer? <laughs> that's that's where you're going? I stand, I stand okay. by my no answer. Right. <laughs> I just want to make sure you didn't forget anything or something. No. <laughs> All right? All right. Um, you live um, in the city. Yep. The village. Lower East Side. Lower yeah. East Side, not the village, Lower East Side. Um, you've been in New York how long? 22 okay, years. Okay, so you're in New York. Okay. Um, 
favorite wine restaurants and or bars places that selection Mm -hmm. selection that plays to you people you can talk to vibe got it um i'm in lower east side which is amazing for places my all-time favorite is sometime on broom street i don't know if anybody has ever brought that up sometime is this it is, it is like a hidden gem. I almost wait. So, sometime on Broom Street, yes. how far east? Um, it's between Ludlow and Orchard. Okay, so it's so, the Lower East Side. Yeah, just okay. out the. I didn't know Broom even went that far. Yeah. Okay, some S O M M time. Yep. Any food or just? Yep, they have food too. So the owner is Maria Rust, and her wife Angie is the chef. Maria has very cool. Best by the glass selection. Seriously, she's rotating it all the time. Lots of interesting stuff to try. Her bottle list is bonkers, and I never even get to the bottles because I'm always just working my way through the by the glass. But the vibe is great. They've it's like it's a neighborhood bar elevated, I guess is the best way to put it. Like it's super comfortable. You there's always that regular cast of regulars that are in there all the time. It sounds like perfect for a neighborhood. But you get like a lot of wine industry people there. It's it's just I an awesome place. I can't believe, to my recollection, it hasn't come up or not for a long time. Yeah. I mean, you and I can sit here and guess the five places there, you know, Four Horsemen or whatever. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's a great one. That's why I ask these questions. Yep. Give me more. Parcel, which opened up. Fairly new. Fairly new. What do you like about that? Great, great bottle list. Um, I like the fact that I can sit outside in the summer with a picnic table and my Zalto. They'll give you Zaltos. They give you Zaltos? They give you Zaltos. Zalto is a very well-made, fancy glass, but very durable and makes a difference. All right, um, keep going. Um, across the street from Parcells La Dive, kind of a very Parisian bistro feel. Um, you know, great steak tartare, great artichoke, steamed artichoke, which you don't think artichoke with wine, but you right. will find stuff to and pair the with wine that. List wine is, list is is it uh, French centric? Very, it's pretty French centric. Some other, it's quite, it's very low intervention leaning. So. Okay. So they Smaller definitely producers. have a theme there yeah, and all of that. Exactly. Um, give me one more. Um, who else do I really like? And think about, maybe you can't, but think about out of the neighborhood, like in the city, like you're in the West Village or Midtown. Does anything come up? I'm trying to... Tribeca? Um, we just went, I just went to Chambers recently, uh, past Lane's place, which was great. Had some snacks, um, and some stuff by the glass with a colleague of mine, which was really lovely. The space is really pretty, very yeah. elegant. That's, that's a place that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. That's why when I heard your choices, it's yeah. cool. I don't know if anyone's been to Lady I'm surprised you didn't say Jim, which is, you know, it's a good place. But I haven't been yet. You so don't I'm... have to say it. I'm just, you know, yep. these are the, you know, your sensibilities seem like similar places sure. would come up on the list. I, I have a reservation that. for uh, next week, so right, those I'll report are, back. Those are all good ones. And like I said, I post them, you know, in the okay. upcoming week, we'll post everything. All right. Fourth question. The question is, what's Shana's favorite all-time wine? When I initially, and this podcast is going way more than five years strong, when I initially structured the question, I wanted to hear Aldo Som tell me the most expensive rare wine he tasted. That's how I wanted him to answer the question. Uh-huh. As you and I talked about for an hour, 
wine is about the story. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in the wine that had the most influence on you, that was a gateway, that was memorable, that did something for you. It could be one or two. Do you have a wine like that? Can you think back? I mean, if we're going to talk gateway, it would definitely be that Clelia Romano Fiano. Like okay, that would definitely with, be that gateway. Fish bar. Yeah, that's that would be the sort gateway. Of, that's really the designed answer, mm-hmm. you know, because that checks all the boxes. All right, so give me one other thing that you could think of like that. Okay? Champagne, just hand me a glass of champagne, and I'm very happy. Okay. So your favorite all-time wine. You kind of screwed the question up. <laughs> The the first answer was perfect. The second one, the, 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 sort of, you know, I may abruptly get up and walk out, arm and cup is down. No, um, it wasn't like, what's your favorite wine or what do you like yeah. now? You, I'm going to put champagne and what are you drinking now then? Right? I mean, you did something. Yeah. You it's fine. You gave me a good answer. I don't want to make you feel guilty or walking out of here feeling <laughs> shitty or whatever. Okay. All right. Um, you should be able to handle this. I always Mm -hmm. ask my guests, recommend to me the best wine around 15, 20, 22 bucks. Try to give me a red. Try to give me a white. You can go category. Like I always say Muscadet because it's great value. There are some great makers. It plays into your salinity thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say my kids are, you know, they're in their late 20s. They can't show up at a party with supermarket wine, but they can't afford 50 bucks either. So how do you wow at 20? Right. What what comes to your mind? See, this is this is the one that was. I know I shouldn't. I know I should have been spontaneous. Oh, so you're unprepared. But, well, I've been struggling with this one. I will say. All right. So let's think of me as your wine therapist. I will help you <laughs> get it out of you. Okay. I will. Uh, well, here's because I think that every region you're going to find something that fits that description. Anywhere you go, you're gonna. There's going to be something that works. It's a matter of finding someone to help guide you there. I know that, so I used to I like that answer. Okay. All right, I like that answer because probably in most regions, there's a value to the region or like in France, like Muscadet is generally, you know, Eric Asimov last week, he answered the question very broadly and said, just go into a really good wine store. The guy's there to like, you know, turn you on and ask him. I got $18. I like this kind of red, you know. Yeah. But you took it to another direction, which is every region has value. So mm-hmm. pick your region, look for the value. Yeah. How else can you answer that? You got any specifics? Um, you do want to get specifics. I do think that South African Chenin Blanc is... Great. There's a lot of really interesting stuff happening down there, and I think South Africa overall has some great values. That is a perfect answer. Because... No, really. It's a region that deserves attention. There's some great winemakers. It's not expensive yet. There's, you know, some nuance to some of the wines because of locations and all that. Um, That's great. So that's white. I'm going to force you to think a red. Can I go back to my... uh... Red is tough for everyone. See, red is really hard. It tends to be a little more expensive. And again, it's like, Let's what do you... Let's think together. Well, Remember, you, I'm your wine therapist. How come Eric can get away with saying, go to a, your wine shop, and I'm and I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going through the rigor here? 
because he's Eric Asimov. <laughs> I'm not even Eric Asimov. I have the pleasure of having him on. You ain't getting out of here until we work a red out. Oh, God. All right, all right, all right. Um, Let's think about the book. I mean, you know what? I'm not going to let you use this answer, but I'm going to give it to you as an example. (laughs) The Chilean reds by these small producers with some of the indigenous grapes, literally. I had Isabel Legere on from Raw Wine. I interviewed her. We opened up a wine. It was a Chilean red from from Mali, M-A-U-L-E. I said, how much is it? She goes, 18 bucks. It's crazy. All right, so... All right, I got one for you. Dig deep. All right, let's do something Portugal, Douro. Perfect. Now, I traveled to the Douro, took the kids there years ago. There's great value. I think like everywhere, it's climbing up a little. But to your recollection, there's still good Douro wines for 18, 20, 21. I think so. I think you're right, too. Um, And maybe even Alentejo or the places. All right. Good job. Good job. (laughs) I give you a B plus, all right? The reason I don't give you an A is because you cheated on the questions before. And when you do that, you should get an A. That's okay. But on pure effort and great answers, you get the B plus, all right? All right, we got to wrap up, Shana. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Let me do a quick wrap up and get some info from you. So if you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at sam at thegrapenation.com. That's sam at thegrapenation.com. Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods. Leave a review if you like the podcast and think about subscribing. You know, if you want the show delivered to you weekly without searching around for it, just hit the subscribe button. No brainer. Um, follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby, on Twitter at BenRuby. I know it's a little confusing, but you can get to us through our hashtag the Grape Nation. Um, on Facebook, we are the Grape Nation. Um, we will post Shana's wine list, uh, her wine list selections on our social media sites in the coming week. All right, so Shana, if people want to get the book, yes, where are the best and obvious places to get them? Um, bookshop.org. And they will, now and let's they, talk about that for a yeah. second. Bookshop.org mm-hmm. is a site kind of a clearinghouse for smaller booksellers or how um, does that work? Bookshop.org works with local bookstores. Okay. So you can order it and then pick it up or have it sent from your local bookstore. So it supports the, the local guys. Um, you can also order it on barnesandnoble.com. There is Amazon. Okay. If you so choose. Okay. But there are, it's out there in the world. I don't know if you know the answer to this or not. I don't. But what's it called? Bookseller.org or com? The first one. Oh, bookshop.org. Bookshop.org. Mm-hmm. Do they have pretty heavy participation? Like, did you find, like, why isn't Strand and this guy in New York not on it? Or pretty much everyone? I think... It seems it's, pretty well... I've ordered from there, and I've picked up stuff at McNally Jackson. So I know okay, that they're pretty... so they have... They have, yeah. Okay, that's what I want to hear. Um, all right, so all the uh, usual places in a good way. Yeah. Um, like we love to talk about small winemakers mm-hmm. and families and people that put their soul into it. We want you to go support that bookseller yeah. that went out of their way to get it. But if you can't, you know where to go. Um, if we want to follow you on social media, you post? I do post at Shana Speaks Wine. 
That's on Instagram. S-H-A-N-A. Yep. Speaks Wine. Yep. That's your Instagram account. Anywhere else? Twitter. It, well, well, Twitter, Instagram's you Instagram's know. your main gig, right? Correct. Twitter-ish. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't use Facebook that much, so Instagram yeah, is probably it's... the... Maybe maybe this year we'll get on TikTok. We'll see. Maybe not. Not sure right. how I feel about that. All mm. right. Do whatever you want. Like I said, <laughs> we're going to post. Feel free to post, repost. All right, Shana, we got to wrap it up. Thank you to our guest, Shana Clark. Shana's new book. Um, we just told you where to get it. Go out and get it. It's a, how do I say this without sounding silly? I was going to say it's a fun read, but that's not, it's, it's a very cool read. I think it's a book to have on your shelf. For your arsenal, I think if you're into wine and you want to know more about places um, and you need a reference, you know, it's it's good to have that. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why you should own it. So go out and buy it. So thank you to Shana. Um, thank you, as always, to our engineer, Armin, at the board and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.